God bless you guys. It's nice to see you all. Some of you I saw last week, some of you I didn't. But um, I just w- I, I want you to understand that when I stand up here, um, I, I take it very seriously. Um, I, it is very intimidating to deliver the word of God. I'm not afraid of getting up and talking in front of people, but all that I want with my life is to honor God. And so whenever I bring the word of God, I want to make sure that it brings him honor and glory. And this particular passage is, <clears throat> is uh, it's quite difficult. It's jam-packed. I was telling the first service that I had a friend who, I think he said that it took them 14 or 15 months to go through the book of Ephesians. So we're just racing right through it. <laughs> so the, the particular passage that we're going to cover today is, I mentioned it last week, it's, it's verse 13 through 14 in chapter 1. That is one sentence in the original language. That is one sentence in Greek. So today we're just going to take a little portion of it. We're going to take verses 9 through 14, but it is jam-packed. So can we pray? Would you guys pray for me and with me, and I will pray for you that you will hear exactly what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear today, despite what I say, that you guys would, your hearts would be open to hear from him. We want to make room for the Holy Spirit to come and do whatever whatever Jesus wants, right? Okay. So, Lord, uh, we just come before you. Our hearts are overwhelmed, Lord. We're so grateful that you are a God of mercy and goodness and kindness and justice and faithfulness and love. All to Jesus we surrender, Lord. We want to give it all to you, Lord, and I invite you to speak through me. Lord, I want you to speak the very words of God. Speak your word. Bring to light the things that you want to say. Lord, I pray for the, just the soil of people's hearts this morning, of the hearers. I pray that you would till up the soil of their hearts so they could receive your word. I pray that it would go deep, Lord, and it would produce lasting fruit. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're going to be talking about, I made a a little acronym. Um, We're going to be talking about pigs. So (laughs) that's my acronym. We're going to talk about God's plan. We're going to talk about God's inheritance. We're going to talk about God's gospel. And we're going to talk about God's spirit. So pigs. So if anybody asks you what you talked about in church, you just say pigs. So, (laughs) Um, you know, last week we talked about how ridiculous and amazing the gifts of God are. Ridiculous in how overwhelming and extravagant and abundant the gifts of God are to us. I had a friend who used to say, you know, if God would have given us one star, that would have been extravagant. Just one star would have been amazing. But you go out, especially when you get out of the city and you go out into the wilderness and look up at the extravagance of the love of God. And every time you go out into nature and you look up at those stars, remember that that is evidence of God's love for you. 
every time you go out there. Let God's extravagant love just blow you away. And this morning, that is really what this message is about, about his extravagance and his plan, his mysterious plan for us and the inheritance that he has for us and the good news, the great news of the gospel and of his Holy Spirit and what his Holy Spirit is willing and able to do in and through us. So if you wouldn't mind reading with me this morning, we're going to start uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amen. That's the chunk of scripture that we're going to get into. And I was telling Kaule back there, you know, when I, when I came into the study of this particular passage, I thought, you know, you could go at this from, oh, maybe it wasn't Kaule, never mind. But so many different angles, like so many different directions. But I'm going to try to focus on what I really, the, the direction that I sense that the Lord has for us for right now. Don't you love God's word? Ugh, if you don't read God's word, you're missing out. It's just so awesome. It's so awesome. And I'm not saying that to like make you jealous, but God's word is it is everything. It is life. I don't know how I would have gotten through this season of my life without the word of God. And I don't just say that. I know that's what I'm supposed to say, but but I really mean that. So the first the first point we're going to talk about today is his plan. It says in verse 9, God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. The Lord has revealed his plan to us. It says he's revealed this mysterious plan. Why is it mysterious? It's mysterious because the world doesn't understand it. You know, the Bible says that, that the things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to those who don't believe. To the one who is not born again of the Holy Spirit, the things of the Spirit are so dumb and so stupid and so crazy. But for those of us who have believed he has revealed his mysterious plan. 
And his plan is that at the right time, he's going to bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. What a marvelous promise that is. He's going to bring everything together with all of the chaos and the confusion that's going on right now in our world. It just, it's so, sometimes it seems so confusing, doesn't it? You know, and and there's the problem of evil. You know, how could a good God allow these things to happen? Well, he has brought us his mysterious plan and he is going to show us. And we're going to get into this a little bit later and how we can respond to his mysterious plan. He's revealed his plan to us because it says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Say that again. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... How many of you want to be free? How many of you want to be completely free? It's possible. It is possible to be completely free. I'm telling you, it is possible. It says in verse 18, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Woo! That is good news. Okay, okay, the thing is, what is God's glory? Who knows what God's glory is? The way that he is. It's how he is. How he rolls. (laughs) That's God's glory. And that he is going to reveal to us. And he is going to let us reflect that to this world. Number two, God will be glorified. You know, I have a, a sweet friend, beautiful friend from France. And her name is Sandrine. And she was in my Bible study, and we would always ask her to pray. She has a direct connection with God, and she has a really, really powerful, insightful prayer life. But we just all like listening to her, so she has the most beautiful French accent. But I texted her in the morning on Bastille Day. And, uh, you know, just acknowledge that because that's their Independence Day. And later that night, I got a text from her asking me if I had heard the news about what was happening in France and she told me what was going on in the beautiful city of Nice I've been to that city it's it's this lovely city in the French Riviera it's just this gorgeous place and these people were just out just like the people last night at Draper Days just celebrating having a good time having no idea whatsoever that for 84 of them and possibly more, that was going to be the last thing they were ever going to do on this earth. How evil, how much evil there is. And I remember the first time that I heard the message out of Romans that says, there is no one righteous, not one, no one who seeks after God. There's no one good except for God. You know, you often hear people say that, oh, people are generally good. People are basically good. No, that is not biblical. And who knows what led this man to commit such a heinous act? Who knows what led to that? What kind of pain is in his life? 
And I'm not making an excuse because he, he made his own choices clearly. But we make our own choices too. In Matthew 24, it says, Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Do you guys feel like these are the last days? I feel like these are the last days. But I know that everybody's felt like these are the last days since the early days, <laughs> right after Jesus. You know, even in the book of, of um, First and Second Thessalonians, the Thessalonians were just hanging out. They weren't even going to work because they're like, well, Jesus is coming back. And so they're like, no, guys, you really need to, you know, how many years ago was that? And now we still are feeling like it's, it's the signs of the, of the end of the age. But we need to live as though this was the end, don't we? We need to live that way. It says, tell us, when will all this happen? And what will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, the kingdom against and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Jesus is telling us this in advance. He's warning us in advance that the love of many will grow cold, that sin will be rampant, that we will be persecuted because we're followers of Jesus. You can't deny it. Jesus said it. It's true. And you know, all of the... The things that are going on in our nation now, the the political things that are happening, and you know all of the 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 prejudice against young black men by police officers who are bent on evil, because some of them are, most of them aren't, but there are a few. Just like most people would not drive a truck through a crowd of people to kill. How many? But there is evil. Sin is rampant. Sin is rampant. I, I cannot stand the generalizations that, you know, all police officers are corrupt or all blacks, young black men are bad or all Christians are like this or all Muslims or whatever. You can't generalize. The Bible says to each man's own master, he must stand or fall. And God is able to make him stand. If you are 
born again of the Spirit of God, if you believe in Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, it says that he is able to make you stand. He is able to make you stand. We're going to get into that a little bit more here in the next section. It's talking about his inheritance. Verse 11 says, furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. He is in control. You know, you don't have control. If someone wants to leave you an inheritance, you don't really have a say, right? Because typically, well, always, there has to be a death before you can have an inheritance, in most cases, I guess, right? There has to be a death. And in the Bible, it, only, it talks about three different examples of heirs. There is Abraham, who is called the father of faith, Abraham was called an heir. Jesus Christ is an heir. And we are heirs. Not E-R-R-O-R-S. For those of you who struggle with self-esteem, it's H-E-I-R-S, heirs. We're heirs. We're going to receive an inheritance. That's the promise. And the inheritance that we're going to receive Because God chose us in advance. Why he did that, I don't know, but he did. It says that he makes everything work out according to his plan. We have received a priceless inheritance. 1 Peter 1.4 says, We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. It's saying that this inheritance is beyond anything we can comprehend. That when we get to heaven, it says it's kept for us in heaven. That when we get to heaven, we are not even going to be able to fathom it. I don't, for, for those of you who don't know the story, um, my husband and I moved out here and planted this church in the year 2000 with a team. And five, it's going to be five months ago this week, um, my husband went to be with the Lord And um, he's experiencing this right now. You know, we have a lot of discussions about heaven in our house these days and wondering about heaven. But it says it's a priceless inheritance. It's beyond anything we could fathom. Heaven is going to be awesome. Can't wait to get there. (laughs) You know, we have this priceless inheritance, but not everyone does. Not everyone receives this inheritance. I hope that this can illuminate a little bit about kind of uh, why the world doesn't see him, why it doesn't make sense. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Let me say that again. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Here it is again. We must be so prone to being deceived and fooled, huh? It has to be in the Bible all the time. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. 
you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. When you, and in Galatians 5, 21, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. It's a good thing that that's not happening in our society right now, right? <laughs> Idolatry, sorcery, which, just, this is just a little side note, would include uh, pharmaceuticals or hallucinogenics or even some legal substances in Colorado. <laughs> that's called sorcery. So this is just, okay, this is just Jody talking right now. Um, I was a pothead for several years, and I can tell you it is a very spiritual thing and not in a good way. Smoking pot opens you up for a lot of, uh, a lot of spiritual things, a lot of deception. So I just urge you, even if it's legal, just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's beneficial. Okay, that one was for free. You're welcome. Uh, Okay, verse 20. Idolatry, sorcery, hostility. Hostility. Quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. How can any of us even be saved? Any of you ever had an outburst of anger? Anybody ever been jealous? Ever quarreled? (laughs) Ever been envious? Think about this. So how can any of us be saved? It says because he has cleansed us. What this is saying is that if you are born again of his spirit, you will not be able to continue in this lifestyle. That he has cleansed us. He has purified us. You can continue in it for a while, but ultimately, you will not be able to live this lifestyle. You will not want to because there will be this conflict in your spirit. Oh, I'm losing a lot of people. I better move on. (laughs) Anyway, I just want to say that... (laughs) Thank you. You know, it's true. I mean, you know, when I came to the Lord, I, I had so much bondage. And it wasn't like the Lord yanked anything out of my hands. I was telling somebody last week, it was just like I started to lose my desire for those things. And you know, you can't continue in a lifestyle of anger if you really know the Lord. If you are in Christ, you won't be able to continue in a life of jealousy. You won't be able to continue cheating people or being abusive or jealous. You just won't. You will never be satisfied. And he will do whatever it takes to get hold of your heart. Number three, we can trust him to lead us. 
If you've been a Christian longer than two days, I know that you've already heard this passage, but I just want to invite you to just come into it fresh, in context, okay? This is Romans chapter 8, which starts out, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It, it, if you've ever read Romans, Romans is, the, is a great book of theology, because 6 talks about how we are just so enslaved by sin. And verse and, and chapter 7 does as well. And it talks about, you know, everything I want to do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I keep doing. You know, what is up with this? And so then it talks about the glorious gift that Christ Jesus offered on the cross. And it says in verse eight or chapter 8, it starts out, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you so grateful for that? There is no condemnation because, backing it up, all of us have had outbursts of anger, right? We've all been jealous at some time, right? All of us have, I mean, you know, there's some things in the list that maybe we haven't indulged in. And those aren't those always the things we focus on? Well, I don't do that. (laughs) I've never been a male prostitute. (laughs) Promise. (laughs) Okay inappropriate. At least I haven't done that. But don't you just start lowering your standards like according to your own sin? And then you start looking down on people that do stuff that you've never done? Like, oh, well, at least I'm better than them. It's like, how ridiculous is that? You know? Okay, anyway, I could go on, but I won't. I'm going to start in Romans 8. You're welcome. (laughs) It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Woo! The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many... Oh, I got a message. Um, Firstborn among many brothers and sisters... It was the Lord. He wants me to go a different direction. (laughs) It's like, not the male prostitute thing. Um, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them... Woo! Yes! He gave us. He gave us his glory. He lets us... Be like him. Because he is loving, he lets us be loving. He helps us be loving. He makes us be loving. Because he's kind, he helps us be kind. Because he's generous, he helps us be generous. All of these things are because he chose us and he called us to be his own. We can't question why. But we can give him praise and glory. And we can give him our lives and the life of surrender. And that's why we talk about his gospel. 
Verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ, the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. The gospel brings him praise and glory. I just want to ask you, we talk about the gospel all the time, don't we? We talk about the gospel a lot. The what? What is the gospel? What's the definition? The good news. Okay, it's good news. But can you explain the gospel to somebody that doesn't understand it? You know, in this area, there's a lot of talk about the gospel. But the gospel I'm talking about is the uppercase gospel, uppercase G gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you explain it? Can you explain it to someone who doesn't understand it? Anybody? Any volunteers? Okay, explain the gospel to me. You can just stay there. It's fine. The gospel is heaven coming to you and re-inhabiting you. The gospel is the image of God being reformed and reestablished in you. Because that's what God and humanity prove. The image of God is. Okay, that's true. That's the second half. But the first half of the gospel is that we are helpless and hopeless, and we need a Savior. The, the, the truth of the gospel is that we are bent on sin. You know, it, even in the Bible, it says that we were conceived in sin. We are bent on selfishness. We are bent on wickedness without the Lord. And so that's when heaven came to earth because we were so desperate. We are so desperate for him. And that is why Jesus Christ came as a sacrifice and went to the cross so that we could be forgiven. That's the gospel. And, the, and people have to understand their need, that they cannot earn their way to heaven, that they cannot be good enough that we will never, ever, 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 ever do enough. We will never be good enough. I talked about cute little Marie last week, my little LDS lady from Meals on Wheels. She said, I hope I've done enough. And I'm like, you haven't done enough, Marie. You're sweet and everything, but there's going to be some sweet people in hell too. And I think we're all going to be pretty surprised when we get to heaven. I think there's going to be some, some big surprises for all of us. I don't think any of us has a corner on that market. But I do know that the good news of Jesus Christ is that we are desperate for him, that we are sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, but thanks be to God, he offered his son on the cross so that we could be free, that we could have an abundant life. And that is what the gospel is. And so I want to ask you, can you share the gospel with people? Let me ask you this. Can you share your story with someone? Now, that isn't the gospel. Remember, Eric always used to say, hey, the gospel is not that God got you a really cool car. That's not the gospel. God does that sometimes. You know, he, he does. But that's not the gospel. But your story, if you can encapsulate the gospel within your story, then you can share Christ with people. And it's not that difficult. If you're looking for that opportunity, I can tell you, I love it when people ask me, why did you move to Utah? I love that question. I love to answer that question. 
because I can go back and share my story and then I weave the gospel in and talk about why we ended up here. People will give you three minutes. If you can encapsulate the gospel within your story, some of you can share, can share your story in 30 seconds, which is awesome. I wish I had that kind of testimony. <laughs> I don't, but I wish I did. But everyone will give you three minutes. And nobody can argue with your story. You know, when you're called into court, you're called a witness. And we're called to witness. And we are witnesses of Christ. Jesus doesn't expect us to know every single thing about him before we share. Okay? When you go to court as a witness, they say, what did you see? Or what's your story? Or, you know, you you can only tell it from your vantage point. You don't have to know everything about the DNA events. You don't have to know about the crime scene or whatever. All you need to know is what you saw and what your story is. And if you know your story plus the gospel, you can share the Lord with people. So I want to challenge you. Next week, I want there to be twice as many people here because every single one of you has led someone to Christ. Okay, deal? I'll give you a dollar. Okay, anybody that leads someone to Christ this week, I will give you a dollar. I don't know if that's wrong. (laughs) But anyway, the Bible's a doll hair. The Bible says, he who wins souls is wise. And I have done a lot of drugs in my life, and I've had a lot of different highs in my life, but I can tell you there is no high like the high of sharing the gospel and seeing someone come to the Lord. And we're not just called to, to make converts. We're called to make disciples. Disciples. There's a difference between somebody who knows about God and somebody who knows God. And we've always said we would rather have 25 people on fire for Jesus at the Adventure Church than 25,000 who are lukewarm. We want to be people that are fully surrendered fully open, fully broken before him. That is the gospel. So I want to I encourage you to be bold with this good news, with this precious inheritance, and with this mysterious plan that God has offered us. His gospel, it says in verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would also bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. Be bold. I just read the same verse again. Okay. I guess you guys needed to hear it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was supposed to read Ephesians 6.18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Okay, this is written by Paul, the apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, also known as Saul of Tarsus, who, if you remember the story, he got knocked off his horse. He got blasted by God. So anybody that, just, that tells you that, oh, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, he will never do I don't think so. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is all-powerful, Okay. He can knock you off your horse if that's what you need, okay? And I don't, mean to, I don't mean to dishonor the Spirit of God. God is 
great. He's glorious. He's awesome. But I'm just saying, he doesn't always follow our agenda. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But this is, this is Saul of Tarsus, or Paul the Apostle, who is asking for prayer. Why? It says, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan. That the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. Paul is asking for boldness. We too need to be asking for boldness. We need to be sharing Christ. You know, my husband Eric, when he was here on earth, he was radically transformed. He was, we called him Eric of Tarsus because God knocked him off his horse. And he, he was the master of the Segway. I don't know how he did it, but he could figure out a way to share the gospel no matter what the situation. You'd be talking about, you know, well, I think I'm going to drop my transmission. And anyway, that reminds me of the gospel. And he would launch into the gospel. He shared the gospel with everybody. And he, um, he loved to go over to Smith's. He would sit and listen to podcasts or whatever, theological debates or teachings or whatever. And he would just push a cart around late at night just listening, probably looking like a crazy homeless man, but he'd just walk around. And he made such an impact on those employees over there. I still haven't been able to go back in there yet. But he made such an impact that my daughter was in there last week and she was going through the checkout line and she saw this cashier and she said, oh, um, don't you have a little baby? My dad and I prayed for you before your surgery. And she said, oh, what's your dad's name? She said, Eric Van Rie. This woman just broke down. She said, we miss him so much. He made such an impact. And he shared the gospel with everybody. Nobody had to, had to second guess what Eric's motivation was. He shared the gospel. And I just want to challenge you and encourage you to be bold, to pray for boldness, pray that the Holy Spirit would give you boldness that you could preach the gospel, that you could share the good news with a lost and dying world. When we did a short-term mission in Holland, this one guy was praying and he accidentally prayed for baldness. (laughs) little language barrier. <laughs> Be bold. Don't hold back. Here's the thing. The ones who have been chosen, the ones who are going to respond and be open to the gospel are going to be re- open to the gospel. And you might get to lead them to Christ. You might get to be the one who prays with them and experiences that high. Right? You might get that honor Pray that God would send you hungry people. I just challenge you this week. Pray for that. Pray for boldness. Pray that God would give you that opportunity. Don't assume that you can't share the gospel with people because you can. You can share your story and you can share the story of the gospel. God has given us his spirit. It says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. 
The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance. It's like earnest money. If you've ever uh, put an offer on a home, you have to put down earnest money, which basically means I'm not going to back out of this deal. The Holy Spirit is like a, a deposit or like God saying here, I'm going to give you the Spirit and this is the guarantee that I'm coming back for you. He said he, the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee. He will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that what? That we would praise and glorify him. He gave us his Holy Spirit the advocate, the comforter, the helper, the, the, um, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the rescuer. The Holy Spirit was given to us so that we could also be convicted of our sin. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, is to convict us. We have received the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the inheritance, when I first came to Christ, um, there was this sweet, sweet little old lady named Sylvia Fast. And I know I've shared a story about her, but she had such an impact on my early Christian life. I was a wreck when I came to the Lord. I, was, I, I always say that I came to the Lord on the installment plan, and she was kind of part of the, the last installment when I really developed a love for God's Word. She was a, a singer, a gospel singer, and she developed vocal nodes, which are kind of like calluses on your vocal cords. Sometimes you hear about professional singers who get vocal nodes. Adele had vocal nodes. Um, it's from improper technique. But anyway, I love Adele's voice. So anyway, um, but this lady, Sylvia, developed these nodes, and she had to go in for surgery, and the surgeon accidentally cut her vocal cords. So all she could do was whisper. But whenever she would talk, it was like she was yelling because she was so filled with the Holy Spirit. And she lived in this trailer park in San Jose. And she had a ministry called Joy, Jesus, Others, Yourself. And she would assemble these packages. These She would put all kinds of little gifts and little Bibles and all kinds of things in these packages and then have them sent out to the prison or sent to the homeless shelter or to whatever, um, the, the San Jose Rescue Mission. And she would find out the stories for each of these people and she would pray for these people. And then she would have these boxes sent. She saw thousands and thousands of people come to Christ. Even though she couldn't talk. Even though she was 82. She was sold out. She was sold out for the gospel because she knew the power of the gospel. And she, she discipled me in my early days. She gave me my very first Bible. I mean, my first legit Bible, like the one that I actually opened up because I had had some other ones, but I had never really opened them. She, she would always take me to John chapter 14 because I was so emotionally wrecked. And that's the one that starts out and it says... It says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? But I'm going to prepare a place for you. I mean, John chapter 14 is such a comfort 
And it goes on later and it says, if you love me, this is Jesus talking, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. This, again, this word advocate, it encapsulates so much of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later he will be in you. He lives in you. God with us. God with us. He's wooing us. You know, when we sing, that, the, the worship team set, set up that message so perfectly. I don't know who chose the songs, but man, awesome. Because when we sing, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give, I will daily love and trust him in his presence, freely give or freely live or something. Anyway, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Can you say that? All to Jesus I surrender, except my finances. All to Jesus I surrender, except for my marriage. All to Jesus I surrender, except for my kids. Or my relationships at work. Or my porn addiction. Or my alcoholism. Or my hatred, my bitterness, my unforgiveness. I give it all to Jesus except for that. We cannot be in control and be surrendered to God. If we surrender fully, we can receive the Holy Spirit. See, the thing is that we can't make the Holy Spirit do anything, but there are things we can do to prevent the Holy Spirit from operating in our lives. And unless you are willing to let go of control, you cannot be fully surrendered to the Lord. And I speak this as a reformed control freak. I was such, I mean, my kids are probably going, well, I don't know if you're completely reformed. <laughs> but I used to be, I had to control everything, everything in my life because I was emotionally so out of control. I had to be in control of everything because it gave me some sense of, of stability, but not really. It wasn't until I just fully, fully, fully surrendered to God and it, it's been a process, but I, I'm just telling you, if you struggle with control in whatever area it is and feeling like you have, to, you have to manage this or you have to be in charge of this, you will never experience the freedom that it talked about earlier that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If you open yourself up to that area, that, that hidden area, and really surrender it to the Lord, you can experience that full satisfaction that God wants to bring you. But if you're holding him at arm's length in that, you will prevent that freedom. You will prevent that deliverance. You, you, you cannot be in control and be fully surrendered to God at the same time. 
Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, okay, these are all believers, they were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, or some translations say speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. These were all believers, and I believe these were all surrendered believers. I believe that they were earnestly seeking him, and they were open, and they were willing to receive whatever he had for them. I don't believe that they were people that were there holding back. It says that they were meeting together, and there was a sound from heaven, the presence showed up powerfully, powerfully. And that's what he wants to do today in us. He wants to take over, not because he's a control freak, but because he wants to free us. He wants to bring us liberty. He wants to bring us freedom from our bondage. He wants to bring deliverance and redemption to us. And that's why he wants us to surrender. That's why. For our own benefit. That's why he gave us this priceless inheritance. And the spirit guaranteeing that we belong to him. The deposit that he's going to come back. He's going to change everything. He is going to be Lord of all. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a blessing to each one of us. Further down in this chapter, Acts 2, it says in verse 17, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. What a great promise. What a great promise. He wants to pour out his spirit on us. Are we holding him back? Are there those areas where we're not wanting to let go of control? He wants us to prophesy. What is prophecy? What does prophecy mean? It just simply means speaking truth, speaking that which is true. Sometimes it means speaking into the future, but it means speaking what is true. God wants us to be released. He wants to fill us to overflowing so that we can speak truth and we can, we can see this generation changed for the glory of God and so that the kingdom of God can be expanded in our own hearts and our lives and in our homes and in our families and at work and in our neighborhoods and in this state. So can we do some business again with God this week? Can we just let go of control? Can you just let him in? Don't you want that inheritance? It's him. He is the inheritance. It's his spirit. It's that freedom that he longs to bring to us.
So could you stand with me? And as a symbol of surrender, would you lift up your hands? By the way, during worship, when it says, I'll lift up my hands, do that. (laughs) When it says shout, do that, okay? Just another little freebie. Father, we come before you, Lord. We're so grateful that you are so good and that you lavish your extravagant gifts on us. Lord, we are so grateful for this priceless inheritance that you've offered. We're so thankful, God, for your mysterious plan and that you loved us and you revealed your plan to us. Lord, the plan that you are going to be glorified in all the earth and in the heavens and on the earth, Lord, you are going to be glorified. Your name will be made famous, Lord. You will be lifted up. God, that you are in control. Lord, we thank you so much for the good news. We thank you for the gospel. Lord, make us bold. Lord, I pray for the Adventure Church that there would be a spirit of boldness, Lord, that would come over us, God, that we would just desire to see lost and broken people come to you. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, you would break our hearts. Lord, break our hearts for the lost. Give us a burden for the lost. Lord, help us not make excuses anymore. Make us bold. Make us bold and fearless, Lord, that we can proclaim the truth. Lord, and we thank you so much for your spirit. God, we thank you that you have left us your spirit, Lord, so we don't have to be as orphans. Lord, that you have promised to lead and to guide us into all truth. Lord, we thank you that you've given us spirit, your spirit so that we could prophesy, so that we could speak truth, Lord. And Lord, we just we, we have a problem, God. We, we want to control everything. Lord, we feel like we have control. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for our pride, Lord, in, in thinking that we have to control things, Lord. Lord, your word says you do all things well. And in you we live and move and have our being. Lord, we invite you to invade our hearts. Fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. Baptize us. Immerse us. Overwhelm us with your presence. With your spirit, God. Douse us with your spirit. God, we're sick of doing things our own way. We're sick of having to figure it all out. Want to do it your way, Lord. All to Jesus we surrender. All to you we freely give. Lord, we want to live in your presence. We don't want to hold back anymore. We surrender, Lord. Take it all. Take it all. My life is in your hands, Lord. We can trust in you, Lord. You are good. You are faithful. Your kindness leads us to repentance surrender and we give ourselves to you. We give our hearts to you. We give you our lives. We give you our money. We give you our time. We give you our gifts. It's all yours, Lord. Take it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, before we we go, I just want to ask you that, um, you know, we did the little prayer circles earlier. If there's anything that you need prayer for, anything at all, even if it seems small, anything you want prayer for I just if I could just invite a few of the the prayer warriors to come on up to pray and uh, 
just come forward and, and get some prayer. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't really grasped the truth of the gospel, can you just come up and talk to me? Because I really want to share it with you. Because I want to get a dollar. <laughs> Wait. Anyway, I love you guys so much. Next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you about the prayer of the Ephesians to the Ephesians. It's awesome. It is going to be an awesome message. I love you. Have a glorious week. Share the gospel. Be bold. Okay? Do this and say yes, Jody. Okay, good. Love you guys.